Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. About 10 years ago, I had this idea of developing this platform, which is supposed to be my million-dollar idea. I spent a fortune finding a developer to actually start building it for me. However, it never made me any money. In fact, it was never completed. It was never launched. And this idea just ended up going to the graveyard. However, what I learned during that is actually going to benefit me in Web3. And really, this what I'm going to pass on in this episode is going to help anyone who is a non-technical founder that is trying to launch or found some sort of NFT project. And when I say non-technical founder, I either mean that you are the person who does not do the coding, you're not the one who is actually uh, doing whatever it is in the background that makes all of this work, or you're not the artist in the case that you're not the one who's physically making the art for this. So how do you go about finding these talents? What lessons do you have to know beforehand? And that's what I'm going to dive in today. A little background about how all of this came to me. About 10 years ago, I was doing real estate in New York, and I needed to constantly find various people to do different projects, home repairs and different things. Uh, you do not want any kind of liability, just as we say in this space, you know, this is not financial advice, so forth and whatnot. You don't want anyone to turn around and sue you. So what we learned in real estate school is this is basically give them a list. And this is what our brokers recommended as well. That way, taking all the liability off of us and our insurance is just give them a list and let them pick from it. Say, these are the people that I've worked with in the past. I give them a call and feel them out to see which one you'd like to work with. So really, you have never given them any sort of recommendation and it's up to them to do their own due diligence. However, I found that this whole uh, way of doing this really has not changed since email was invented. And I came up with an idea that was basically Craigslist on steroids. And all of these different things I put together in a way that would help not only the brokers or the agents to find uh, reputable contractors to do certain works, but it would also help the homeowners or the home sellers, whatever it might be, to be able to find their different people. And again, all the liability would be shifted away from the agents, the brokerage, and it would basically be put into this system which would carry its own insurance and you'd be able to do your own due diligence from either side. Now, here's the problem. I am not a technical founder in the sense that, yes, I could do graphic designing and the UI and like the actual uh, visual aesthetics of things. However, as far as coding, I had no clue how to code. Uh, as far as I knew, was anything that had to do with building a website such as HTML to a basic level, like the old days, you'd have to know certain things. But when it came to the various languages, such as Python, Ruby, JavaScript, and all those different things, I had no clue even where to start. And depending what you're trying to build, each one has its own benefits. And these are all languages, just as Chinese, English, Spanish, and understanding the application of what you need to build what is a thing in itself. So after doing a whole bunch of research, I realized that probably the best bet at that time for me was to build out this application using a language called Ruby, and in particular, a framework, or if you will, a set of tools that allowed me to build something very quickly using Ruby on Rails. Again, I had no idea how to code anything in Ruby on Rails. So I went to a freelancing website, and at the time it was called Elance. Now, since they've merged with Odesk and a few other companies itself and turned into Upwork, but at this time, it was called Freelance or Elance, I should say. Elance. <laughs> Freelance is a different pl platform in itself. 
So I found this coder, which I thought was actually a great guy who was out of India, and he was uh, just great to communicate with, and I was able to break down the idea in different steps, and I would send it to him. However, there was a huge problem. I was absolutely clueless because I had no clue what this stuff was actually worth, how long it would actually take, because I knew what I wanted to build, I knew how to communicate that to a coder, but I could not break that down or even gauge or estimate to see, is he giving me a reasonable offer? And what really spurred this episode and uh, the thought of all of this is I was in a Twitter space where there was a lady that was getting ready to launch her very first project and she was trying to find a developer. She was a non-technical co-founder and she was meeting different uh, coders and developers and speaking to them. And she said, I really want to find the best developer I can afford. And I was told that to make a whitelist into the code, that alone would start at 10 ETH. Yes, 10 ETH. So that was just a mind-blowing thing in itself. What? Basically, you're putting in a line of code in a list of wallets that could be pre-approved in that, and they want 10 ETH for that. If that is the starting that you have for your project, well, how can anyone that doesn't have a massive bankroll be able to uh, start. And that information is absolutely rubbish. However, thankfully, before she forked over this 10 ETH, she decided to ask around and say, what is that? Is that reasonable? Because this is what I was told, the minimum I would need to even set up a whitelist, not even coding out the entire project and building everything was going to be 10 ETH. And everyone in the room that basically just laughed. And when I say laughed, I don't mean laughing at her. They were laughing at that developer who was just absolutely ridiculous trying to take advantage of the situation but she was wise enough to actually go get a second opinion if you will from the group and it saved her a lot of headache and time money all those different things because if that is how the developer starts off with her you know that in the long run this person is going to try to take advantage of her but how would she not know that if she didn't have these spaces when i was doing this 10 years ago I didn't have that luxury to just be able to walk into this. And for the most part, you operate in a bubble as an entrepreneur and even in this because offline, there are very few people that have your vision, know what you're trying to build and have been to where you're trying to go. So luckily, we have things nowadays like Clubhouse, we have uh, Twitter spaces and all sorts of things. However, back in the day, unless you were in part of an e-commerce forum or something like that, that that was what we had, you didn't really have that peer group to be able to bounce ideas off of and things like this. So going forward, I was able to just share a brief summary of what I'm doing in this episode right now of explaining, well, how I ended up forking out a whole bunch of money. And by my standards, it was an absolute fortune. And I was not able to build uh, anything, really. It never got off the ground, was never launched, and it was just in the sandbox or basically the test for the code, and it never went live. And what I would do to absolutely change this if I was supposed to go back, or in the case of where we are now, when I get ready to launch a project in Web3, If I still cannot code, what I would end up doing is this. I would learn the bare minimum code that I need for the project that I'm trying to launch. Now, when I say the bare minimum, first of all, I'm going to have to break down the entire project. What am I trying to do? I'd have to put it out in paper. And I would say, what is the absolute minimum things on this list that I actually need to launch. And this would be the MVP, minimum viable product. So getting it down to the bare bones, absolute core essential part of the project, whether this be an app or in the case of this is an NFT project, what is the absolute minimum that I need on paper? And then at that point, I would go and say, okay, what can I possibly learn in order to get to that point? Now, 
in that same Twitter space, there was a guy that was explaining that basically he spent about two weeks on YouTube watching various tutorials and was able to put together this Valentine's Day project. He was able to put together this nice piece that he was able to do the coding as far as being able to generate the art and so forth, upload everything, get all the coding, everything done using YouTube videos for absolute free. He dedicated that time into learning it. Now, this was not a very complex product. This was not like some massive game with staking and all sorts of different things. However, he knew exactly what he needed to do and he got what we like to call in marketing was called just-in-time learning. You literally learn something that you need to use for that day. So if I want to learn how to launch a seminar or I want to learn how to launch a uh, massive business, I'm not going to learn about something that is, say, two, three years down the line. I'm going to learn exactly what I need for that next step. So in the case of the seminar, okay, first I need to know how am I going to arrange this? So that's what I'm going to learn today. I don't necessarily learn how am I going to do uh, payroll for the staff that's helping at the event, right? That is so far down the line. So now I need to learn how just to set up everything. I need to book speakers. I need to start to advertise and all these different things. That is what I'm learning as I go along. And then at the end, when everything is all said and done, I learn how to do payroll, taxes, and all that stuff because I don't need that right now. Now, to most people, that just seems like absolute craziness. But if you try to learn the absolute nth, the farthest degree out, you're never going to launch. You're never, ever going to get to that point where you feel comfortable. It's like uh, reading a whole bunch of books on parenting and you're just going to say, okay, when I learn everything about parenting, then I'm going to be in the position to have a baby. No, that's not how it works. You're never ready. Nothing's complete. There's always something more to learn. So what is the very next step that you need to do to launch? And that is what the whole MVP and all those different things, just in line, just in time learning, all of that, that's where it comes in. Just learn the next chapter of where you're going. So going back to this whole thing, what I would do absolutely different, have that MVP, the minimum viable product. This is what I need to actually have my project up and running and have functionality. Now I'm going to learn the basic bare bones of it myself and I'm going to build it myself. You might say, why would I try to build it myself? Here's the reason why. In this space, when you're trying to find a developer, a lot of people like to say, I need to find a good developer. How do I find a good developer? I can't tell you how many spaces I was in when people are asking that. Here's the, That is a trick question. Because first of all, what is a good developer? That depends on what you're trying to do. A good developer for you might not be a good developer for me. And if we're just going to look at just skill set, we're not speaking about personality, culture, fit, or anything like that. And you're just going to say the most skilled, the most polished developer. Here is the problem. Those same developers, which are in shortage, short supply, are competing with uh, job offers from Google, Facebook, Netflix, all these other big tech companies that can offer them stock options, a uh, hundred and some odd thousand, maybe half a million dollars up front, like just crazy numbers, benefits, massage parlors, and all sorts of stuff. And you're competing with that. Not only that, you're also competing with the developers that are building their own projects, launching their own companies and saying, I don't want to go work for Google because I believe I could build the next Google. So there's a lot of competition and there is a shortage for these people. So finding the most skilled person automatically puts you at a deficit because you're going to have to come up with a fortune to be able to do that. And just for launching a small project, a minimum viable product, that is a complete waste of money that could be put into marketing. It could be put into the website. It could be put into just so many different things. And I wouldn't even try to hire the best developer. 
Now, going back to the whole thing. The reason why I would actually learn to do the most basic coding just as that guy who launched that uh, Valentine's Day project is I can put together something that is visual. I can put something together that shows someone exactly where I am going. This is not what I'm going to put out to the public. This is just what I'm going to put on display. And when I say put it on display, who am I putting on display to? I'm putting on display to the developers that want to come into the project with me. And I'm not looking to just pay someone out a massive upfront budget because these people might be coding for six, seven, eight, nine, ten projects. They're in demand for all sorts of things. And again, they're doing their own projects. They're stretched thin. No, I want someone that I click with, that I vibe with culturally. They have the idea. They're bought into the mission that I'm trying to build, whatever it is. And I'm going to offer them equity. I'm not going to offer them uh, some massive sum up front. Maybe this is someone that is a student coming out of school. Maybe this is someone that is just doing a side hustle of they're working a full-time job somewhere else and they just happen to know how to code and they're just dabbling in the space. If they can build exactly what I need and I say, okay, we can click, we can do something together, we can collaborate, that is someone that I'd rather have on the team than the quote-unquote best that is going to take everything I have and I'm going to run out of money before I can ever launch it. Does that make sense? Now, a lot of people will say, no, I don't want to give up equity because what if this turns into the next board ape? What if this turns into the next Google? What if this turns into the most amazing product that I don't want to be able to give up 10, 15, 20, or 50% of my company? Here's the thing, right? Having some of something is a lot better of having all of nothing. So if you really believe that this project that you're going to launch is going to be uh, just an amazing thing, it's going to go up in value, it's going to be something larger than what you can accomplish by yourself. I would personally rather give up share in that and bring on someone that can help to skyrocket the value of this thing, bring this to life and work with me than it is to try to keep everything, all the equity and the share for myself. And I'm not going to pay people out. And this could be not just in the coding side of things. This could also be in the art side of things, because also in that space, this was just one of these great spaces. uh, An artist came up and she said, well, I know what I could get if I'm working on Hollywood pictures or whatever it might be. And before I can have a conversation with with uh, anyone, the minimum I'm going to start at is $75 an hour. There might be some artists or graphic designers or whoever it is or coders or whatever that might be listening to this and say, yeah, that is a reasonable request. Now, someone who is launching a product or a, in this case, an NFT project that might be on a shoestring budget that is literally bootstrapping this and uh, building this with a grassroots effort might not have $75 an hour for an artist just to make some sketches or put it together. It could be the most amazing Picasso-esque high quality art that is so valuable. However, if you're sinking that much money into it upfront, odds are you're not going to make it unless you have just a massive bankroll and money is no thing to you. But for the average person such as myself, that really is not an option. And that is why my product, my idea absolutely fell flat is because I was spending so much money up front and there was nothing coming in. So there was no way to continue. Once I had a dip in income, which I was bankrolling everything with what I was actually working, I had a huge issue. It wasn't a minimum viable product because it could not stand on its own to help to recruit. It could not sell. It could not bring in any revenue or anything. It was just just a start for a great idea that literally went nowhere. It died. 
So going back to this whole NFT space, that is what I have. I learned from the past mistakes and what I see a lot of people that are doing right now. If you are an artist and you're trying to work with a project and if it's just a payday for you, it doesn't matter who you're working with. And just as it didn't matter what movie you're working on or whatever it is, name your price and just stick with it. Because at the end of the day, if it's just a job, that's what it is. $75 an hour, $200 an hour, $1,000 an hour. Who am I to set any kind of price on anyone? If you think you're uh, value is a million dollars an hour. Yes, put that out there for me to do an NFT project. A million dollars an hour, that is what it is. And hey, if someone pays, that is absolutely great. Good for you. And if someone doesn't pay that, well, you weren't willing to work for anything less, then great. You can go work for a project in Hollywood or wherever it is that is willing to pay that premium. And for the coders, yes, yeah, same thing. Work for Google. Apple, any of those people, if someone's not willing to pay your rate, that is the rate that you want, cool. However, if you actually want equity, something to be into it, and you want to work with a founder uh, hand in hand and actually scale something up, maybe the cause, the community, whatever it might be, you actually buy into it and this is something, someone that you can vibe with, then yeah, then at that point, your uh, set in stone rate might be very well negotiable. And just understanding that whole thing as uh, both the artist, the coder, and the founder, knowing that, you know, at the end of the day, none of this stuff gets done in a bubble. We're eventually going to have to work with someone. So where are you in your journey as far as what your earning power is or your income generating or whatever it might be is what's worth more to you being in this project, growing it or the upfront cash. And honestly, there is no right answer. And going back to the whole thing where all of this started, who is the right developer? How do you find the best, the quote unquote, uh, coder, artist, whatever it might be? It all depends on your situation. All of those factors that I just mentioned all play into it. So how do you find these people? I think the best way to find any kind of talent, it does not matter if it's the NFT space. It does not matter if you're looking for a great waiter at your uh, restaurant or a security guard to work in your company. It is to just get into the community. If I'm looking for a security guard, I'm going to where security guards are. If I'm looking for a waiter, I'm going to where waiters hang out. That is other restaurants. They're working. I'm evaluating how they uh, do and so forth. And I'm not talking about just cherry picking and getting uh, all these waiters from different restaurants or anything. But you see someone that is great. You can be like, hey, I absolutely love how you serve. And is there anyone that, that has your same work ethic and uh, would be willing to come to my project, come to my uh, restaurant or whatever this thing is. And you never know. They might say, well, you know, I do have some free time, so I might be interested in helping you out part-time or whatever it might be. Or I do have a friend that we both went to school together. We trained together in whatever field it is. And right now, he or she is actually looking for something just like this. And this is someone that I highly recommend. Now, here we go again, we're stepping into that whole circle. We're stepping into the forum of all these different people that could be potential great fits, the quote unquote best person for your project. And in this case, that could be hanging out in Twitter spaces. It could be going into crypto Twitter and communicating with people, seeing what content they're putting out. Or also, it could be just working with various artists in discords and there's different communities literally for anything. It does not matter what you're into, what you're searching for, you can find a community for it. Facebook groups, there are 
literally a Facebook groups around any single topic that you can possibly imagine. I spent a lot of time setting up Facebook groups and preaching that as like the big thing. Um, it's still to this day, that is by far the best way to engage with people on Facebook. A lot of people hate Facebook, but Facebook groups is the right place to go because if you're looking for an artist, you go to artist groups. If you're looking for uh, a St. Bernard trainer, the best place to do that is going into St. Bernard groups. So anything that you're looking for, there is a group of people or a community of people established somewhere. And it might have to be somewhere that you are not necessarily comfortable with or you go to a regular basis. This could be uh, Reddit. It could be on Twitter. It could be on LinkedIn. It could be uh, at the local Starbucks. It could be a meetup, a hackathon, anywhere that the people are congregating. I would go there. So I think I've covered a lot of bases as far as what I would do tomorrow if I was getting ready to launch a project and what I learned from the past, the different mistakes I make and the mistakes that I see that people are still making. And it's not just in this Web3 NFT space. There are still people that are launching Web2 projects, whether it be an app or a website that is absolutely doing this backwards and they're paying all this money up front. And as much as an optimist I am, and I absolutely always look at the bright side of things, when I see someone doing that in the back of my head, I'm thinking like, "Uh uh-oh, red flag, this is going to be a problem. Hopefully sharing my own pitfalls, my mistakes that I've made in the past. If you are someone that ends up getting into a project, launching a project or working with a project, co-founding, whatever it might be, that you can just use these and just don't make the same mistakes as I do. Hopefully you found that interesting. If there's any questions, comments, concerns, anything that you'd like to hear uh, me dive into more because I spend literally hours just researching all this stuff and just in this NFT space and I absolutely love it. It is fun to me. So if you have a question, I promise you, whether it be on Twitter or it is via email, whatever in the show notes, my contact information is there. I will do my absolute best to either answer that question or point you in the right direction. And if this is a broad enough question that could help a lot of people, I might even turn it into an episode. And I will definitely give you credit for whoever it is that suggested this or presented the question to me that I was able to build out an entire episode for. I will definitely give you a shout out and let people know this is where I got the idea for it. So with that said, thank you for listening. And as usual, I look forward to the next one later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.